It is time for Plan B with Rebecca Davis. How would you do on these quizzes? I don't like the number questions. How many X did X? How many years since X? Those are boring to me. But other than that, I think I would do tip top. <laughs> I don't know anything about rodents, though. What was that one? Nicola, Which was a rodent? I asked Marcus to send us up an unused sheet. And just before we say goodbye to Rebecca, we'll see how well she does. <laughs> What an idea. What a joker you are, John. It's a brilliant idea, and we're going to make it happen. Uh, yeah. Uh, right. Let's go to the topics under discussion in Plan B today. John Schlopper, a lot of people talking about that, and I really do hope that this John Schlopper matter is resolved, credibly resolved, in a much quicker time than uh, the previous John Schlopper matters have been resolved. They haven't been resolved at all. But I'm glad you've picked up on that story about that magistrate in KwaZulu-Natal who has come up with the most extraordinary rulings, particularly when it comes to rape and sexual violence cases. That's right. Koleka Bodlani, she's an Umlazi magistrate who's now having all her past rulings audited after 18 cases had to be sent for judicial review. And it turns out that there were child rape cases in which she allowed the men found guilty to walk free effectively, to serve entirely suspended sentences. The comment was that she seemed to have been overcome by mercy for these child rapists. And another case where this magistrate set free a man accused of raping a 15-year-old girl because she determined that he was gay on the basis of the fact that he was, quote, interested in household chores and styled his hair. Ergo, said Koleka Bodlani, he could not be a rapist. See you later. And this this story really frightens me, John, because it's generally acknowledged that we pay far too little attention to what happens in magistrates' courts. I mean, I was talking to the brains behind Judges Matter earlier, which is, of course, a judicial watchdog, which does incredibly valuable work. And they, too, were admitting they just don't have time to to submit the magistrates' courts to scrutiny. And I would imagine that there is a multiple of, I don't know, 8, 10, 12 times as many magistrates' judgments as they are high court judgments. That's right. If you're a South African interacting with the courts, you are exponentially more likely to do it in the company of a magistrate rather than a judge. And something I found out today, which I did not know and which kind of terrified me, is that acting magistrates do not receive training. It is only once you are appointed as a magistrate that you get sent for judicial training. So it is entirely possible to be a lawyer who is then made an acting magistrate who actually does not have the training in making, you know, sensitive rulings, which is something I think that is deeply frightening. Uh, In theory, is there not somebody who is a chief magistrate in a region, part of whose job it would be to, I don't know, to to scope a selection of judgments to make sure that they are... So there is a magistrate's commission, which is the equivalent of the JSC. And apparently they actually do good work. They robustly scrutinize magistrates. But the problem is that if you have a lawyer who's becoming a magistrate who has never acted before, of course you have no way of scrutinizing past past judgments or past rulings. In this case, the case of Koleka Bodlani, who wasn't acting, she was a permanent magistrate, clearly the training was coming up far too short, and that's a huge problem. We shouldn't tar all magistrates with the same brush, just as we shouldn't tar all judges with the John Clope brush, because I do fear that this risks creating a kind of atmosphere of skepticism around the judiciary, which is definitely one, still one of our most robust institutions. And to cast doubt on judges at large really plays into the hands of people like, for instance, those supporting the public protector, Busisiwe Mkwabane. And I think that would be very dangerous. 
Yeah, indeed. Okay, um, George, start the clock. Are you, you going to give it a go? Sure. Why not? Sure. 60 seconds. For three questions, start the clock. Two, one. Name the tallest land mammal. Elephant. Giraffe. Complete the saying, it makes your what boil? Bors. Okay, you're not taking this seriously. No, I am. Carry on. No, no, let's start Fine. again. Let's start again. You were not taking okay, this seriously. Okay, I apologize. But now I know the answer to the first one is giraffe. No, no, no. Well, there, there are plenty more. Okay. Okay. George, perfect box. Three, two, one. Spell the word bifocal. B-I-F-O-C-A-L. Correct. Which South African banknote shows a picture of a lion? The 10 rand. 50 rand. How many days does March have? 31. Yes. Which African country is further north, Algeria or Tunisia? Tunisia. Yes. True or false, vertigo is a feeling of extreme dizziness. Correct. True. In which sport is Maria Erasmus a match official? Golf. Cricket. How many A's are there in the word disappearance? Two. Three. In which province is the town Alexander Bay? Northern Cape. Yes. For which country does Jofra Archer play test cricket? England. Yes. True or false? A cardiologist treats people's lungs. False. Correct. Give the name of a ship that travels underwater. Submarine. Yes. What leaf is on the flag of Canada? Maple. Maple. Yes. Which word means outmoded, obsolete or resolute? Obsolete. Correct. Name the heaviest mammal. The white whale thing. Blue whale. Complete the saying. It's a land of milk and... Honey. Yes. And we're out of time. What One, did I get? Two, like a three, million. Four, five, Do I win the hundred eighty-seven thousand rand? You got eleven. Out of? Out of well, you got eleven out of twelve, because that's, that's only incredible. Asked. It is. Is that like some kind of record? <laughs> it is like some. It is like some kind of a record. You have every yeah, right go. to be I'll, very proud of I'll yourself. I'll come back next hour as well. <laughs> okay. Um, let's do the traffic and then we'll continue with Plan B. Coronavirus, uh, Rebecca. I. I had a conversation with a virologist from Stellenbosch University a couple of days ago, and he agreed that it's really odd the way we 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 talk this up, mm. given the fact that there were 10 million TB infections worldwide last year. We were at 7,700 coronavirus infections so far, and these things tend to peak. Yeah. Um, but he said it's new, and it's not. You you can't say for sure how soon it is going to be brought under control and it's going to peak and the deaths will come to an end. So he said, yes, there is an overreaction, but in a way it's understandable. Yeah, I think we've seen that in the history of disease. Every time that there's a mysterious illness, people aren't quite sure how it's transmitted, etc., we see this outbreak of kind of moral panic, starting from the bubonic plague, we saw it around AIDS, and actually... You might recall, we saw it in 2003 around the SARS outbreak as well. And what happens often is that there's this kind of slippage between fear and disgust towards the disease and fear and disgust towards those suspected of carrying it. And that seems to be what's happening with East Asian people, which is really concerning me. Because a friend in, in England told me that her parents had cancelled dinner at their local Chinese restaurant in Manchester out of fear of coronavirus, and I laughed my head off. I said, how ridiculous. But then I started seeing these WhatsApps doing the round in South Africa saying things like, People, please stay away from the Chinese markets, Chinese shops, because these Chinese traders went back to China for Chinese New Year, and now they're here and they could be carrying coronavirus. I mean, we're better than this, surely, John. We are better than this. That makes no sense. It really makes no sense. For a start, how many 
Chinese people travel to China each year from South Africa to go to Chinese New Year. I would suggest not not very not many. Not many. For the second thing, Chinese New Year's festivities were basically cancelled this year, as far as I understand, because of the outbreak. And cities like Wuhan were already under lockdown. And then, fine, you don't go to Chinese malls or restaurants to avoid Chinese people. But how do you avoid, you know, white and black and colored South Africans who traveled to China for business recently? It's irrational and it's racist and what is going to happen, I'm pretty sure, is that we're going to see this new wave of sinophobia, this kind of distrust of East Asian people in South Africa. Because I have noticed often in the past that expressing kind of hatred or fear of Chinese people is really quite socially acceptable in South Africa. In fact, it's quite a leveler across races and classes. And I suspect that the coronavirus is really going to do a lot of harm in that regard. So people just be sensible. You can't catch the coronavirus through food. You can only catch it through interaction with someone who's been recently exposed, who basically coughs or sneezes on you. You can eat dim sum at Mr. Dan in Seapoint or whatever. Yeah. And let's not stigmatize these poor folk. Yeah. You're be- we're better than that, you say. We Unfortunately, are. I don't think we are. Well, some of us aren't. Margaret Court and um, John McEnroe and Martina Navratilova having to apologize to the organizers of the Australian Open for breaking protocol because after a Legends match, Martina Navratilova... Um, unveiled quite a natty sign, mm. I thought, saying that the court, which is called the Margaret Court Arena, should instead be called the Yvonne Goolagong Arena because of Margaret Court's well-known and quite objectionable views on gay people and black people. Yes, I didn't actually know that Margaret Court vocally supported apartheid, but that's just... Uh, yeah, thing. she's on record as having saying South Africa knows how to deal with the race problem. Mm, well, that's just a little extra soupçon of flavouring to the Margaret Court cocktail, which is quite a toxic one. I mean, on the one hand, you know, Margaret Court is a... a you know, she's unquestionably a tennis icon. She holds the record, greatest number of Grand Slams, titles for women, 24. She's also 77, you know. She's this old granny. But she is also... A homophobe. So there are people like Boris Becker, for instance, who've said, what happens off court shouldn't matter. You know, let Margaret Court's tennis achievements speak for themselves. And obviously there is a case to be made for that. Also, she, you know, there's people who say she's just an old lady. What, what harm can she do at this point? But I think it's a bit different in this case because she does have a public platform which she has used repeatedly to spread messages of hatred. So Margaret Court, after her tennis career, founded her own church. And from that pulpit, but also in a series of open letters, has publicly complained, for instance, that tennis is full of lesbians. When the Australian tennis player Casey Delacqua had a child with her female partner, Margaret Court accused them basically of child abuse by depriving the child of her father. So I think it is possible to make an argument that actually her actions have affected tennis as well. We know that it is very hard in professional sports still for people to come out as gay or lesbian. And I think that Margaret Court's public statements of this kind have harmed people. It's one thing if she's just whispering it to people around the bri. Fine, leave her alone. Let her die in, in peace. But I think that if you're repeatedly using the public platform you earned through tennis to spread hatred, then you should expect to be held accountable through tennis as well. Israel Falau is now playing league rugby oh, in, for a club. That charming. That for a club in England. And... One of England's top league players is, he, he was also the first to come out as openly gay in, in that sport. And he plays for the same club. And he has said how disappointed he is that the club has signed Israel Folau. Mm. And he says he was given a call by the chairman of the club. And he says, the chairman said to me, I'm calling you out of respect. 
And I said, no, if you had any respect, you wouldn't be fire, you wouldn't be hiring that man. Mm. You're compromising the principles which our sport is supposed to espouse in order to make more money because you believe more people will come and watch mm. this man play rugby on our fields. I'm ashamed of you. I'm disgusted by you. Well, that's exactly yeah. it. Sports has had this mealy mouth attitude towards these issues. So Tennis Australia, for instance, already said before this whole Navratilova hoo-ha that they would not allow, for instance, Margaret Court to present the women's singles trophy at the Australian Open. But there's been this weird ambiguity because they've been honouring her on the other side of their mouths. It's a tough yeah. one. It's the same argument I, you apply to Kobe Bryant. Yeah, you know? I, I agree absolutely with what, what McEnroe said, that when you name a court after somebody or a stadium after somebody, you shouldn't just be naming it after the person's athletic achievements. You must name it after the whole life. And only if the whole life, the sporting prowess plus the other stuff Mm. demands recognition then you should do it that's that's the point of view i have i can i ask i was speculating about this if south africa were to get a tennis grand slam would we have to name our main stadium wayne ferreira arena (laughs) is that all we can do Or would it just be Nelson Mandela? Yeah, and everything would be, would, be, would be the Nelson Mandela It would have court. to be, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is the most difficult item of crockery and cutlery to handle while washing up? I'm fascinated by this. So the worst item to wash up by hand, I would argue, is an eggy frying pan. Even though it's not the most difficult, it is the most disgusting. What, what does by hand mean? As, in, as opposed to a dishwasher. To yeah, but, but um, are you allowed a scourer? Are you allowed yes, a scouring yes, yes. No, brush? No, you don't have, oh, just okay. have to scrape it with your nails. You can, <laughs> that's what you <laughs> usually do. Yes. Um, <laughs> the most disgusting is an eggy frying pan because the egg then permeates everything within your home and you basically have to move countries. <laughs> I mean, there's just no way around. It gets on that silver thing, the scouring thing. It gets everywhere. But the most difficult thing to wash up, and listeners, let me know if you agree, is a Tupperware. Because the corners are just impossible to get the little bits out of. And somehow is always left with this film on the plastic. This is a design flaw of Tupperwares. If there's anyone listening from the Tupperware Corporation, please phone in and tell us what you intend to do to resolve this problem. I don't have that problem. You don't. Or, or maybe I'm so um, so lax in checking the quality of my washing up that I don't notice that film. But I, I use, first of all, I, I use a scourer, mm-hmm. and then I use a cloth specifically mm-hmm. for the corners. And I find that gentle application of some elbow grease and a decent cloth, <laughs> and my Tupperware, Rebecca, sparkles. <laughs> should be a weekly feature. <laughs> Domestic tips with John. I love it. Uh, what I what I like least doing. I mean I because um because we when we make egg we tend not to have um very eggy frying pans at the end of it. Somehow we seem to manage only uh, leaving a very little if any residue of egg in Maybe our you have very fry- high quality non-stick frying pans. It may well be that. But I, sharp knives. I am I'm terrible at washing sharp knives. The number of little nicks I have on my fingers are oh. too numerous to be counted. Well, that seems like a remedial error, John. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wash your knives if you wash my Tupperware. There we go. It is a deal. <laughs> Rebecca Davis back with us next week. Thank you very, very much indeed.